Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. A young man saw an elderly couple sitting down to lunch At McDonald's, the young man noticed that the elderly couple had ordered one meal and an extra cup, and he watched this elderly couple as the old guy cut the burger in half, gave half to his wife, half for him, took out the fries, one fry for his wife, one for him, one fry for his wife, one for him, all the way down, just split in half, then he took the cup and he poured half the soft drink into her cup and left half in his, put it there. And then he began to eat his meal and she folded her hands and watched him eat. The young man walked over and said, can I, can I get your permission to buy another meal for you so you don't have to split yours? And the old gentleman said, no, 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 no. We've been married over 50 years and everything has always been Divided equally, shared 50-50. The young man said, well, ma'am, why aren't you eating your lunch then? She replied, it's his turn with the teeth. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter how much uh, you have in life, how successful you are, uh, how wealthy you are, how much you accomplish. If your relationships are bad, Life is miserable, right? When relationships are good, life is good. The Bible is the greatest book on relationships. The Bible talks about building a relationship to God. It talks about building a relationship with each other. And last week we looked at uh, really how we can model uh, some of our relationships after Jesus Christ. And we've got to start there. We've got to start with Jesus Christ. When we build our lives on the world, When we try to fill what the world wants us to fill, there's holes in it and we're never satisfied and we're never restful, we're never refreshed. But when we build our life on Christ, uh, there is satisfaction, there is fulfillment, it is worthwhile. Today we'll look at one of the greatest causes for bad relationships and that is failure to let go of the past. Sometimes you've got to hit refresh There is old information on the screen, and as much as you scroll, as much as you click, it's outdated. But if I click the refresh button, uh, then all of a sudden it puts new information on the screen. And we've got to click refresh on our relationships. If we don't, if we don't let go of the old, uh, we're dealing with our old sin nature in our relationships. Uh, it's, It's not going to work because we're dealing with old information old ways of thinking, old things that have happened to us. Here's just a fact of relationships. You might write this down. I cannot relate to the present if I am still reacting to my past. I cannot relate to this teacher if I am still reacting to my past teacher. I cannot relate with this coach if I'm still reacting 
to the last coach. I cannot relate to this boss if I'm still reacting to my last boss. I cannot relate to this employee if I'm still reacting to the last employee. I cannot relate to this patient if I am still reacting to the last patient. I cannot relate to this pastor if I'm still reacting to the last pastor. I cannot relate to this person who I love if I'm still relating to the last person I loved. And on and on and on. I cannot relate to the present if I am still reacting to my past. And we bring so many unresolved problems and issues into our current relationships. Issues, garbage that we have collected from the past that we bring into this relationship. We collect garbage. We pick it up along the way. And other people throw it on us, don't they? What is some of the relational garbage that we collect and we might carry into a present relationship? Uh, Stuff that we're reacting to that keeps us from relating to the present. It's not refreshing stuff. Uh, It's things like this. If you're taking notes, it's resentments. We rehearse our resentments and we go over and over our bitterness. The people that we're angry with, the people who have hurt us, Uh, We rehearse our resentments, then we begin to take it out on other people. It's not just the garbage of things others have done. It's stuff that we do too. It's our regrets. We remember our regrets. As much as we don't want to, our failures, our misdoings, we remember them. And we try to bury it. And everybody has a favorite way to to try and bury bury it. Uh, Some people try to minimize it. Uh, They'll look back and say, well, that really wasn't that big of a deal. Or some people try to rationalize and say, uh, well, other people were doing that too, or other people have done this. Uh, Some people uh, decide to compromise, and uh, they just lower their standard to that level. and They decide, well, that's that's not a sin anymore, or that doesn't bother me anymore. I used to think it was bad, but uh, I don't think that that's bad anymore. But deep down, you regret it, and you remember your regrets, and start living in that, thinking, if only I hadn't said that, if only I hadn't done that, if only I would have responded differently, if only I'd made a different decision. We're constantly carrying the garbage of our regrets, and and thirdly, our remorse. We reinforce our remorse, and we feel down, we condemn ourselves. Uh, Most, if not all, relational anxiety and relational depression is the result of sin and not knowing what to do with our sin. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to resolve it. Uh, We don't know how to let it go. And when we do these three things, when we carry this garbage, it, it causes us to react in relationships rather than to enjoy our relationships. And the Apostle Paul Um, who wrote much of the New Testament, faced this as well. He had a lot of uh, garbage from his past that he could have uh, carried around with him into uh, his life and his ministry. But what was his solution? What did he do? In in Philippians 3, starting in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, 
but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And he takes all of this past, all of this stuff, what he's done, he persecuted other believers. I'm sure he had regrets of why didn't I come to a different conclusion about Christ earlier in my life. But what's his solution for the regrets, the resentment, the remorse to forget the former and focus on the future? He says, I've got a mission to accomplish. I've got a calling on my life now. I, I, I can't, I've got a race to run and I'm headed somewhere. And I'm headed heavenward. So I can't focus on what's behind me. There's nothing there for me. So what do I've got to let go of uh, to forget the former and focus on the future? How do I do that? Uh, Number one, I must give up. What do I let go of? I must give up my grudges. There are few things in life that cause more damage to relationships than resentment. And it's because we depend on other people to meet our needs. As much as we love to be an individual and not need other people, the reality is we do. We need other people to meet our physical needs, to meet our financial needs, uh, to meet social needs, to meet spiritual needs. And when our needs are not met, we get angry at other people. And most of the time, the anger comes down to, you are not meeting my need. And we hold a grudge. And the problem is, it only inflames the problem. It doesn't work. When you're resentful, it doesn't upset the other person near as much as it upsets you. And many people go on living their life while you're there not moving on, saying, I cannot stand this person. But holding a grudge will never change the past. No matter how much you resent it, it never transforms the past. It never changes it. It never resolves the problem. All of us have been hurt in the past. The difference is some of us are continuing to allow people from our past, decisions from the past, to hurt us in the present. You can put up all the right boundaries in place to keep keep people from hurting you again. And you should absolutely do that. Listen, there are some people, it is impossible to have a healthy relationship with that person. It's it's hurtful and harmful over and over and over again. And you've got to let them go. You've got to put something in place to where uh, that can't perpetually harm you over and over. But keep in mind that you can do that. You can put up the boundary, but let all the hurt come within the bounds. To let all the grudges that damage you come within the boundary and still hurt you, and God cares about you too much for that. That's why Scripture says things like this in Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of, throw it out, cast it out, throw it away, all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, get rid of that in your life. Go to great lengths to cast it out 
of your life. It cannot hurt you anymore unless you allow it to hurt you. Who are you holding a grudge against? Many adults are still fighting uh, their parents unconsciously. They say, I was unloved, and you felt all that hurt growing up in your childhood, so you moved away, but you kept the hurt. The hurt moved with you. And now for some of you, that person who has hurt you is, in the past, maybe they've even passed away, they've died, and now what are you going to do? You're still holding on to the hurt. You've got to release the grudge. To make matters worse, uh, some of us have allowed all this anger and hurt to pile up from the past, And since that person is not around anymore, you take it out on your husband or wife or kids. We do this often in our relationships. We we know, well, I can't say this to my boss, so I'll say it to you. We, We say to someone else what we wish we could say to that person. And we end up taking out the grudge on them. I cannot relate to the present if I'm still reacting to my past. So I must give up my grudges. Number two, I must give up my grief. One of the problems we face in life is that uh, we don't know how to grieve properly. We don't know how to mourn. And when we don't mourn, when we don't let it out, we don't process it, we don't talk about it, therefore we end up carrying it with us the rest of our lives. And sorrow is a very normal part of life. Everyone experiences loss. And uh, many of you have experienced tragic losses in the last year. And there is nothing wrong with mourning. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, Mourning in the Hebrew language is a ball. And it carries the idea of showing emotion, to expressing it both audibly and visibly. And we need models of how to mourn. They're found uh, all throughout the Old Testament. Mourning helps us release our grief. Here's just some examples. Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. When they reached the, the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly, and there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the whole community learned that Aaron had died, all the Israelites mourned for him 30 days. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out to the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. At that time, I, Daniel, in Daniel 10-2, mourned for three weeks. Is there a hurt or a loss that you've never taken the time to mourn? You've never taken the time to process it, to talk about it, to mourn it. You've maybe faced this hurt years and years ago, or you're going through that hurt right now. There are huge hurts in life, uh, even day-to-day hurts of life. And with both of them, we must take the time to mourn. Uh, I heard two uh, older guys, friends, talking to one another one day. And one one of the guys was uh, talking about uh, just a lot of aches and pains in his body and, 
and different things and just how much energy he lacked and his, his dear friend, just beautiful as he approached this, he said, um, you know, this is a loss that everyone experiences in their life and instead of mourning this loss, he said, you're moaning it. And every day you're moaning about your body and the energy that you don't have. And you're right, you're not as athletic as you used to be. And, and you don't have what you had. And yes, there are doctor's appointments and all these things, but that's not changing. And he just spoke into his friend's life and he says, it's time to mourn that loss and now see what God has for you in this season. Pain is a part of life and everybody here hurts. And we've all got aches and pains of life. We've all got heartaches of life. Don't allow your pain to make you a prisoner of that pain. How do I let go of grief? Uh, there's a story in 2 Samuel 12 about David. And what led up to this moment is that David had an illegitimate child by Bathsheba. He took another man's wife and he had the husband killed. And she became pregnant and bore a son. And the son became very, very sick. And David lied on the ground and prayed for days. It says, starting in verse 16, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. We don't always get everything that we prayed for. But we see David did three things after the child died. And it's the same things that uh, we must do to let go of our grief. And for these, uh, I'll read the verse and then I'll give you a point to jot down if you'd like. But in verse 20, it says, David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. What did he do? He worshiped. He, he dedicated this to God. He turned to God and sometimes in our grief we tend to exaggerate it that we say the world has ended there is no God there must be no God but the world has not ended and there is a God you don't exaggerate it you dedicate it I heard from someone once who had experienced uh, a lot of loss in a specific season of their life in, in many different forms and uh, they said, it took me a few months to realize I'm still waking up every day. What does that mean? They said, well, they're gone, but I'm not. I'm still here, and God's still here, and the sun keeps coming up every day. Scripture says David's attendants asked him, David, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, uh, you get up and you eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. What's David doing here? He, he is accepting what cannot be changed. And many of you are in pain right now from events that happened years and years ago, and the key to your peace of mind is one word, acceptance. God is still on his throne, and God is still in control. And it's not changing whether you accept it or not. 
the loss is not changing whether you accept it or not. And the key to peace is acceptance. 2 Samuel 12, 24, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. She gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. What's David doing here? He's focusing on what's left, not what's lost. He still had a wife. He still had a future. And you might say, well, I don't have much left, but you do. You have your life. You have a church full of people who will pray for you and care for you and love you if you make your needs known. You have a lot more than you're looking at. But you've got to mourn so you can release your grief. Self-pity is much more damaging to your life than any tragedy you'll ever face because it perpetuates the pain long after it's manageable. You end up taking it out on relationships in the present and that's not fair to yourself, that's not fair to them. You've got to let it out so that you can let it go. Finally, there's a third part of our past that we have to let go of. And I'll tell you, if you don't let go of this one thing, you're sabotaging your relationships. I must let go of my grudges, my grief, and number three, I must give up my guilt. And we're all guilty, and you've heard me say many times before, guilt uh, is a good thing. because it can drive you to God. It drives you to the cross. We're all guilty, uh, but some people refuse to accept the forgiveness. They hang on to their guilt, they hold on to it. Uh, They lock themselves into a prison as if they're paying for their own sins. They put themselves in the penalty box of life and they say, well, I uh, I can no longer have God's best for my life because I've made these mistakes. I've met young teenagers who have said that and felt that, that I can no longer have God's best for my life because of of this thing that I've done. Uh, But there is hope. This is the message of the good news, that we have a forgiving, gracious God and a God of another chance. And if I did not believe that, I would not be here today. But you've got to give up your guilt. And we've all met people, you know them, who are just torturing themselves Uh, today with guilt torturing their mate for things that happened maybe even long before they got married and they're taking it out on their marriage today and that's not right either you've got to let go of your grudges the people that have hurt you let go of your grief the things that you don't have any control over and let go of your guilt the things that you have done to other people how how do you let go of guilt and everyone faces this and every time you're guilty of something you have one or of two options to take Both options are seen in scripture. Uh, Both are seen in uh, relationships with Jesus Christ. And specifically, uh, these options are seen in two of the disciples, Jesus' disciples in the Bible, Peter and Judas. Both Peter and Judas uh, denied Jesus as he's being taken into custody throughout the crucifixion. They both sinned, but they responded very, very differently to their guilt. One response was right, one was wrong, and these options lie before us every time we sin. We'll choose one of these two. The wrong way is what Judas did, condemnation. It says when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. Then he went out and hanged himself, uh, the ultimate expression of self-condemnation. He said, I've blown it. I've made the biggest mistake of my life. I've created the greatest sin. Therefore, 
Uh, my life is worthless. My life cannot be redeemed, and I'm condemned. And he took his own life, but there are even many, many more ways to live in self-condemnation and to condemn our life. Peter, on the other hand, his response was not condemnation, but Peter's response was right. It was confession. After he had denied Jesus three times, Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Jesus had told him it would happen. And he went out inside and wept bitterly. He had the same remorse Judas did, but he confessed his sin. How do we know that? Because God is using him just a few days later. And this may shock you, but Peter's relationship to Christ, Christ knew what would happen. It's same with you. God knows everything, every dumb mistake you'll make, every wrong thing that you will do, every sin you'll commit. And isn't it amazing that God knows everything about you, but he still loves you. He knows every mistake I'm going to make. He still loves me. That's grace. Peter said, God, how could you use me? I'm so unfaithful. He confessed his sin. He repented. Peter, the man who denied Jesus Christ at the crucifixion is the same man God chose to use 50 days later preaching at the day of Pentecost. What do you do with your guilt? You confess it. You give it to God. You say, God, I'm done playing games with this. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm not going to try and bury this. I'm not going to try and lower my standard. I'm not going to try and pretend that it didn't bother someone else or doesn't bother me. God, you are right, I am wrong, and you don't beg God, you don't bargain with God, you don't blame other people for it, you just come before him with the sin, and look what he is faithful to do. 1 John 1, 9. Let's read this one out loud together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what God says to you. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross so you don't have to be nailing yourself to a cross. And we don't earn this. We don't deserve this. This is a gift of God's grace. And because we are human, forgiveness is our greatest need. And because Jesus Christ went to the cross, forgiveness is God's greatest gift. And when we believe in Christ, Look at what the Bible says happens uh, to our sin, to our transgressions. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And how amazing is it that when God wanted to use an illustration, when God wanted to illustrate how far your transgressions have been removed from you, how far your sins have been removed from you, he used the illustration of the universe as far as the east is from the west, and he's not talking about St. Louis to Denver here. If God has spoken to you this morning, would you just turn to him in your heart and mind and Say, Lord, I've been holding on to these things for too long. Lord, I've been holding on to this grudge for too long. And when I think of that person, um, 
it still, it still hurts in a way that it, it doesn't need to. And I want to give that up today. I want to let it go. I want to keep, or I want to quit keeping a record of wrongs in my relationships, in my marriage, a record of grudges. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for taking out my resentment on other people. And Lord, I want to learn what it means to get rid of every form of malice. I want to learn what it means to to give up my grudges today and not live in resentment. And all of us have had losses in life. All of us are going to face other losses as we go in life. It's legitimate to mourn. It's right to mourn and to grieve. But would you turn to God and ask him for his help with that today? Lord, help me to accept uh, the fact that this cannot be changed, that the past is past. Lord, help me to focus on what I have left, not what I've lost. And help me dedicate my life and these situations to you. And then would you give God your guilt? Jesus Christ died to set you free. Say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. God, help me to accept your forgiveness, to forgive myself, to forgive others. Lord, I want to learn what it means uh, to give up my guilt and to follow you. And Lord, I, I don't even know that I understand all this today, but I ask you to make yourself real to me. I invite you into my heart, my life, and I ask you to guide me in these steps uh, to not be reacting, uh, but to be relating with the people in my life. Father, thank you for your word. I ask you to apply it in our lives this week as only you can do. Let us have relationships that are healthy and wholesome and fulfilling. May this church be uh, known as a church for vibrant, dynamic relationships where people are open and honest about their cares and hurts and fears and failures. And yet there is a spirit of unconditional acceptance in our midst. We pray this all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.